Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Awesome. Um, let's just quickly pray before we start. Father, I want to thank you for the words that you are going to speak to us this morning. Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts to receive from you um, and show us what our next steps are in this life, Father, what our next steps are in our relationship with you. Lord, I thank you. We are just ready to hear from you, expecting by faith to receive things from you this morning. Amen. Amen. Great. How are you all doing? Doing good? Awesome. So we've been going uh, as a church through a series that we've called Living a Next Steps Life. And every week we have this thing called the recap where we recap everything we've been talking about. So we've been looking at what it means to live a next step life as a worshipper. So our worship isn't just what we just did together with Joel and Toby, but our worship is everything, encompasses everything in our life. As we do it, everything we do, we do it with giving honor and glory to God, then that is worship to Him. So we all have next steps to take in every area of our life because we are walking with Christ and a walk requires us to take steps. So first week we looked at knowing the one we worship, um, living with an abundant mindset as well. Um, so all of those weeks we've learned something of what it means to um, worship God, to live as a worshiper. We've looked at living with the fear of the Lord. It's not being afraid of God, but being afraid to be away from God. And so we want to be as close to God as possible and just being in all of him in anything we in everything we do last week we looked at the actual act of corporate worship and what it is what happens when we come together and actually worship um what happens yeah when we come together and worship so we've done that that was a great week last week and this week we want to take a look at what it means to be a person of prayer because our prayer is also part of our worship to God. Um, so the title of today is Being a Person of Prayer, or for the cool kids out there, Hotline to Heaven, that will start making sense in a moment. But I have this little story that happened to me, and I wanted to share it with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was on my way to the airport to pick up Pastor Colin and Caroline, who are, um, uh, Pastor Colin's the apostle above Kingdom Faith, so um, he travels a lot, and I just had the privilege to go pick him up at the airport. And if you are living anywhere near Horsham, you will know that right now there's a lot of roadworks going on, and um, especially <laughs> to the roundabout leading up to Peace Pottage that leads you onto the way to Gatwick. And so I'm driving there, and I'm just about to make it on time. I know that, so it's a bit uh, of a stretch, but it's going to be good. And I turn to that roundabout, and it's like deadlock. Nothing is moving. And I'm too late. I'm, I'm into the queue. So that roundabout that leads to Peace Potters, the way that leads to Peace Potters is all stuck. And instead of taking me a 20 minute drive, it was about to take me an hour long just to make it to Gatwick. And I'm stuck in there and I see the time go by and I'm like, oh, Pastor Colin and Caroline are about to land. I'm not going to make it. And so I just prayed. I was like, Father, please 
let me somehow make it on time. And I left it at that and there's nothing I could do. So I just sat there patiently waiting to get car after car, just moving a few meters. In the end, I get to the airport, I park the car, I run down, I get there and they're not out yet. So I stand there and I'm looking for them everywhere at the arrivals, they're not there. So I just, and I look, yeah, bags arrived, all of that. So I'm like, where are they? So I just stand there, wait, and three or four minutes afterwards, after me getting there, they actually get out. And so I'm like, this is, this is amazing. So I'm like, hey, how, how was the flight? How was everything? And Pastor Colin goes, yeah, flight was fine. We had a bit of delay, but it was okay. But then when we got here, we were so far away with the plane. We had to walk for so long. He said, I never walked that long. I don't know why we were so far away. And then when we got to the baggage, they took time to get there. There was such a queue at customs. Just everything took so long. And I was like, well, but I have to say... I'm very happy it took so long because otherwise you would have had to wait for me here. So I did pray, Father, let me somehow make it on time. He said, well, it just shows that prayer works. So I was, it was just a funny story, but I was very thankful to God because when they just have to wait endlessly like that for me, it's just not good. So all of that to say, prayer works. It's a good start um, this morning. So the title of today, as I said, is Being a Person of Prayer, uh, all for the cool kids out there, Hotline to Heaven. Now, although it might be weird to say we are to be hotlines, um, here's what actually Wikipedia, Wikipedia <laughs> um, says a hotline is. A hotline is a point-to-point communication link in which a call is automatically directed to the pre-selected destination without any additional action by the user when the end <laughs> instrument goes off the hook. An example would be a phone that automatically connects to emergency services on picking up the receiver. Now it's all fancy words to say as soon as the phone goes off, it makes that automatic call, right? That's what a hotline is. So every time we pick up the phone, per se, it's an image. It shouldn't be like a call to our parents, our friends, our family. It shouldn't be a call to our boss, our hairdresser, whoever you talk to in life when you need help or advice, but it should be a call to God. It should be a direct connection to heaven. This is what we are called to be, hotlines to heaven. In any situation, we just pick up the phone and we're in direct connection to God. All throughout our day, we should be in this position where we connected to God in prayer, releasing His will, whatever and wherever we are, whatever happens and wherever we are. See, here's what the Bible says about prayer. It's going to be our key verse for today. Don't put it up yet, Josh. It's a very long verse. Uh, it's found in First Thess- Thessalonians 5:17, and it says, "Go ahead, Josh." Never stop praying. Told you it was going to be really long, really long. We could actually leave it at that. I could say amen and go because it's the essence of who we are. We should never stop praying. It is the fuel to our lives as Christians. Now we know because, well, first, you guys are awesome. Second, you are godly spiritual people that God should always be our first port of call instead of our last resort whenever our world is about to explode or implode or whatever is happening. The problem is that a lot of Christians do confess that with their mouths, but then in actions, when it comes down to it, they will first try whatever they can before resorting to calling on to God. 
Everything else has failed, so, well, let's try to pray. Being a person of prayer, in the, on, on the other hand, looks like being constant connection with the Father, being that hotline to God, as I was saying, every time something comes up or a situation is ahead of us, any time the day starts, continues, and we want to be in constant harmony with the Father. How do we do that? By praying. Here's another verse. It says in Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what does it say? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That's all the time. Anything that happens, we need to pray. So why do we not do it sometimes? Well, maybe if we believe that every time we actually come to God in prayer, that he is faithful to answer us. Maybe if we believe that we've been chosen to bring his will down on earth, to partner with him in establishing his kingdom here, we would pray more. And it's not even about the amount that we pray, but about the fruitfulness of our prayer. In Matthew 16, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's what we need to believe. That we have been given the authority to do these things. When we pray, we're not twisting God's arms. We're not coming with puppy eyes saying, God, please, could you potentially, if you feel like it, maybe anytime soon, solve this situation. That's not it. That's not what our prayer should, like, should look like. Whatever we bind on earth, it says, will be bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth will be loosened in heaven. We have to believe who we are. Come expectant when we come in into that place of prayer and use that authority that God has He's entrusted us with the weapon of prayer. In order for us to legislate, influence, shift things with our prayer, He wants us to be the vessels through which His will is established on earth. Think of it this way, right? Imagine there's a bit of like, a lot going on in this nation at the moment. But imagine if they were to do like a contest in the land, right? The government, they've come to the end of themselves. They don't know what to do. They cannot find any solution for Brexit. And they decide to think outside of the box, right? And they invite, they, they decided they invite one person from the commoners. That's, that's us, just the common people. We down here somewhere. And they were going invite, to invite one person to come and make decisions with them. And out of the whole people, there's a very powerful, fancy computer that chooses you at random to go sit at that table with um, Boris and the Queen and whoever else is important in this nation. And they turn to you and they ask you, what do you think? What do you think we should do? Whatever you're going to say in that context around that table will then influence the future of the nation. And it sounds like a crazy picture, right? But this is exactly what happens when we come to God in prayer. If we have, if we have understood who we are in Him, as the verse says, we've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a responsibility, right? We have the keys that unlock and lock things. It's not to be taken lightly. 
And if we are there with Boris and the Queen, we won't sound like a little scared puppy, right? We'll be like, no, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. I think God is saying this. We would be per people that understand the authority they've been given and make good use of those keys to release God's will on earth as it is in heaven. See, praying isn't an option. It should happen every time in all circumstances. We need to make that decision to go to God in prayer. It needs to become like a reflex, a second nature. We need to become those hotlines to heaven. God, it's me again. Here I go, expectant, with faith. Something's going to happen. God, it's me again. This happened. What are you saying? What do I need to pray? What do I need to release? Because let me show you what happens when we don't pray. This is not going to come up on the screen. If you want to get your Bible to Joshua um, chapter 9, I want to show you really quickly what happens when, um, when we don't pray. Um, first, to give you a bit of context, yeah, Moses has handed over things to Joshua, and Joshua is taking possession of the land with the people. And at the very first bit of Joshua, God speaks to him and says, look, I'm giving you this, this land. No matter who you encounter in the land, I'm giving you victory over them. You are to destroy them all and take over. That's the context of the story, right? So now let's look Joshua chapter 9, verse 3. We'll start at verse 3. It's a bit long, but it's, it's important to get what's happening. Verse 3. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, so Joshua has been putting things in practice, you know. He's been destroying cities after cities, taking the land. And those people, they know they're next. So they come, they've heard what's happening, and... It says in verse 4, they resort to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patch wineskins. They put on worn out patch sandals and rack clothes. And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, Uh, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make peace with us. The Israelites replied to these Hivites, how do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. Because Joshua knows what God has said. There's no compromise. You just destroy and you take over, you establish yourself in the land. That's what God has said. And so they replied, we are your servants. But who are you, Joshua demanded? Where do you come from? They answered, your servant, your servant, sorry, have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and all he did in Egypt. We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings um, east of the Jordan River, King Sihon of Eshbon and King Og of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. Sorry for my pronunciation. Um, so our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing and sandals are worn out from our very long journey. 
they play it really well, don't they? They've, they're just next door, but yeah, they play it really well. Um, so the Israelites ex- examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days. The names of these towns were Gibeon, Kephira, Beeroth, and whatever that is. But the Israelites did not attack these towns, for the Israelites' leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, since we have sworn on oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community as the Israelite leaders directed. Now see how God had the best in store for them. To take over the land, not have anyone else in in it, it was going to be awesome. And here's the key verse, verse 14. So the Israelites examined their food, but did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. It's understanding That actually God has something in every circumstances for us. God always has something to say, per se. He is wise. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He wants to engage with our circumstances. But what happened? Joshua and the people, the elders, they did not go to God in that place of prayer saying, Hey, those people look a bit dodgy. We have some doubts. Father, what are you saying we should do? I know you've said take over the land. Are they in the land? Are they not? Father, what should we do? They did not go to that place of prayer. So as a result, they don't know what God's will is for the situation. They just go ahead, make a treaty that binds them with those people. And as a result, they miss on God's best. God's intention was never for those people to be the woodcutters and water carriers for the people of Israel. God's intention was for the people of Israel to be free from any ties to any other people in that land. So we have to understand that our actions have consequences. And us taking action without God is a bit stupid, really, because he knows better than us. This is why we need to be a people of prayer. God always has a plan, a will, and frankly, he's much wiser than we all are. So why not turn to him every single time? And it's not just for our personal circumstances. As I said earlier, God actually is inviting us to govern with him. Whatever we bind on earth, we saw, will be bound in heaven. We're partnering with God in influencing the course of history. Do you realize that? Do you realize every time we come to that place, we are shifting things in, 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 in the spiritual realm. We are influencing things so that then just things shift in the natural as well. Justin Welby, he's a, he's a revivalist, and he says, Without prayer, there will be no renewal of the church. And without a renewal of the church, well, there is very little hope for the world. We are the hope of the world. 
We are those people that have the answers when we go to God in prayer. We need to release that on earth. So our prayers, your prayers, all matter. And it is necessary. It's necessary that you come to God and pray so his will would be established on earth. Now, it might be weird, right, to say, well, it's necessary. Really, Kevin? God's almighty. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need me, little Kevin, little Sharon, whatever, to come and pray. He can do whatever he wants. Fact of the matter is, God didn't choose to work that way. He chose to work in partnership with us. It says in Ezekiel 22.30, that's not on the screen either, but I wasn't going to read it, but I think it's just important that we do in the end. Um, hold on, let me get there. Whew. Ezekiel 22.30 says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty of their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, it sounds like quite drastic and mean and all, but what is God saying through that verse? He's telling us that actually his grace, he wanted to extend his grace. That's what he wanted, but his law demanded justice. He was looking for someone to stand in that gap and say, Hey God, we need your grace. Hey God, we actually don't, don't forget this land. Like, don't forget us. We repent for our sin. We are there. He needed someone to turn to God, stand in the gap and speak out. But no one did. And so he had to destroy the land. Do you understand that that matters? We need to be those people that will stand in the gap. We need to be those people that will say, hey, God, we want this to happen. We desire this. We long for your will to be done. We want to see this happen in our town. We won't stop until we see it established where we are. We need to be those people that stand in the gap in all circumstances. God is looking for you to do that, to speak out. And the word that comes out of your mouth needs to be filled with faith, knowing that whatever you release is going to change your town, your region, your family, your nation. Everything can change. That's what we meet together. Together we meet once a month. We have impact prayer meetings. We meet together. We pray for the town. We pray for the people. We pray for the church. We pray for the region, for the nation, because we believe that every word that comes out of our mouth in those moments is in a agreement with God's will and is released and changes something in the natural. If we don't believe that every time we come, something's shifting somewhere, there's really no point in any of it happening. So we want to meet and come expecting. We cannot ask and not expect that would be so stupid. We ask and expect. We expect transformation, life, healing. We expect the dry bones to come to life. We expect people to have their lives turned around. We pray because we expect things to change. We expect a shift in society. We pray with faith. 
Let's not be people that ask and not expect. We're so blessed in kingdom faith because as the title gives faith <laughs> it's a place of faith I've been in so many prayer meetings in so many different churches that we we might as well just have a cup of tea there's there's words coming out but there's no expectation there's no faith there it's just God would you please this would you please that God is probably screaming if only you believed I could do it it would release me yes I want to do these things but if your faith is not engaged with me there's nothing I can do and it's not making God smaller than it is but it's the way he chose throughout the beginning of humanity all the way to here to work in partnership with each of us so actually when we engage our faith with God in a place of prayer he God is jumping up and down he's like come on Kevin let's do it ask me come on release it because I want to do it I want to do it God's purpose is always for revival to be here to be to be completely transforming this town and the 25 mile radius that's God perfect and sovereign will why is it not happening because maybe deep down we're not in a place yet where we fully believe that when we're going to go talk to the Joe out there he's going to be like yeah okay I believe in God yeah okay I can be healed yeah you know what I mean We need to come to that place where there's no doubt in us. We have the authority. We have the fullness of God in us. And every time a word comes out of our mouth, something's shifting in the natural. I'm getting excited because I know how important it is that we get this. If we want to see something change as a church, we got to become those people. We got to show the example because you got to think the 20, 30, 40, hundreds of people that are going to come to this church, they're going to be saved into something. What are going to get, what are they going to get them, what are they going to get saved into? If we, if we are showing them that prayer is just please asking God something and then hoping it happens, that's what they're going to believe a Christian does. If we're going to show them that actually we get on our knees and we don't stop praying and believing until we see it happening, that's what they're going to come into. That's what they're going to start believing a Christian is. And that's how their life is going to be shaped from then on. Now Jesus, and we're getting to it, he's also teaching us about the persistence of prayer, the perseverance in prayer. If we are to be people of prayer, a person of prayer, it's a constant thing. We're not just praying once for something, then moving on with it. But actually, Jesus taught his disciples about that. It says in Luke 18, is the parable of the persistent widow. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of, what, of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. He's quite a mean person, isn't he? Uh, so I don't fear God or care about people. Uh, but this woman is driving me nuts. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant re- requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No, I tell you, he will grant them justice 
quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So one thing to note here, there are two types of parable. There's contrast parable and comparison parable. This is not a comparison parable. In no way is this parable saying that God is some mean judge out there that doesn't care about people. No, he's, he's making a contrast between, well, if this evil judge that didn't care, even him did what was just in the end and released the woman, then how much more God that cares about you, that loves you, that wants you to succeed is going to do it too. And he's going to do it quickly. But How many people, when he comes and looks for them, are going to be there with faith, expectantly asking for things? That's what he's saying. How many people are going to be there in faith? The key here is the perseverance. What Jesus was saying to his disciples is that they will have to learn to push through in prayer to see what they are believing for manifest on earth as it is in heaven. And through the season of pushing through, God is always teaching us something. He's growing our faith. He's growing our hearts, changing our hearts, our passion to see his will come to pass. See, remember this story. Sharon used it in a preach a couple months ago. First Kings 18, when Elijah prays for the rain. I could read it, but we're going to run out of time soon. Um, he prays for the rain and then the rain comes, yeah? But actually God tells him at the very beginning of that chapter, the rain is coming. So he knows that God is going to release the rain. It didn't mean though that he didn't pray for it. He still had to go in that place of prayer. And it says he prayed seven times with his head between his knees, crying out to God for that rain to come. And then the seventh time, his servant come back. Remember, I think Matt was running back and forth here. Sharon was saying, go back, go again, go again. Yeah, that's what Elijah did. Go again. And then he prayed, God, that rain needs to come. God, that rain needs to be here. I know you have spoken. Servant comes back. Is it dead? Do you see anything? No. Okay, go again. And he prays seven times till the servant comes back and he says, hey, I see a cloud big as a man's fist. That's nothing. Look at my face. The cloud is tiny. That was all that he needed. He knew God had accomplished his word. But even though he knew it all along, because at the very beginning, verse 1, God said, I'm sending the rain. It's coming soon. He knew. But it didn't mean that Elijah just sat there waiting for the rain. Hey, mate, go and check. Hey, mate, go and check. Is it there yet? Is it there yet? I don't know. We know he's going to do it, so let's just wait. No, he waited. While he was waiting, he wasn't just waiting. While he was waiting, he was just working in expectance, knowing that, God, I had to release your will for that to happen. And we need to be exactly the same. And sometimes circumstances are going to happen. Things are going to happen all over. Situations are going to come up. We live in a fallen world. And it's what we do and where we go when those things come up that matters. I want to look at um, one last verse. It's found in Second Chronicles chapter 7. I think we have it there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it says, when I shut up the heavens, the heavens, so that there is no rain, or command lo locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and heal the land. 
Now, what God is saying is that there's going to be tough situations. There's going to be things that don't go our way. There's going to be things that happen here and there. But there's three key words in these verses. There's a when, there's an if, and there's a then. It says when this happens or when that happens, when trouble comes, basically. God does not say our Christian lives is going to be just without any trouble at all. But when trouble comes, when our heart season appear, when something comes up, that's the key for each of us to understand that who we are in Christ, this mantle that we carry in prayer will then be coming in play. Because when something comes up, our first reaction is going to be prayer. That's the if. If then it says, wherever it is, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, if. There's a big, fat if hanging over every generation of Christians. And I'm not saying generation as uh, like the young ones and the old dudes and all of that. No, a generation is like everyone alive right now on earth. So we are a generation of Christian, yeah? So there's a big fat if hanging over every generation. When those circumstances happen, are we going to turn to God in prayer? If those things, if we pray, if we turn to God, if we humble ourselves and say, hey, God, we've messed up. Then it says, then that's the first, third key word. Then he promises to hear us, to forgive our sins and to heal the land. As we pray, as we turn to God, we unlock God's promises. We unlock things that he wants to release that is his best for us. But it's only if, if we turn to God in prayer, if we come and know, hey, God, I know you're capable of doing this. I know you're big enough. I have faith in this situation. We were praying on Thursday night with um, some of the guys down uh, in the prayer room. And um, God gave me this picture. Um, and it's also in Joshua. We'll just go back to Joshua in a sec. Um, wherever Joshua is. Um, but it's, it gave me this picture, basically. Um, I saw Kingdom Faith as, um, as little groups. I'm going to read the verse first. It's going to make more sense. So if we look, Joshua 3, 14 to 17, it says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river, river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Um, Toby and Joel, can you guys come up? See, in that verse, in those verses, few verses, there's a couple of things happening. But they are the priests of the Lord standing in the middle 
with God's presence, the ark of the Lord, yes? So that was representing God's presence at the time. They're standing there in the gap, if you'd like, and everybody is crossing through to safety. Everybody is crossing through to safety. What I saw, I saw kingdom faith as multiple little groups, yeah? Like we were in a group in the prayer room, standing in God's presence, just contending for our towns, our region, our, our 25 mile radius, the nation, pressing through in prayer. And they're there. We were there in the middle, like the priests carrying the ark of the Lord. We were there in God's presence, just pushing through. God, we won't stop until we see the harvest you have promised. God, we are here. And we're basically what we were doing is just declaring, hey, guys, go to safety. Go on. to." Sa-. You guys can start playing anytime. You guys can go on to your salvation. Cross over from death to Imagine if you guys are the two sides of the thing it's like the little groups we're standing there and we're just contending and then I saw right I saw multitudes of people just starting to cross on the dry ground crossing over what was happening they're not just crossing over to another town here they're crossing over from death to life they're crossing over to their salvation they're crossing over to fullness of life in God but what was the key it was us as little group just contending for those things for these people for our towns for our region in God's presence see we are the people in the middle of the Jordan River in the middle of this nation where turmoil is happening where whatever and we are there in those groups saying hey God we are here with faith we know you hear us we know you are faithful so come on go on to safety people go on to your salvation we are here standing in the gap for each and single one of you this is what we call to do we don't live for ourselves our salvation is assured we'll be in heaven it's going to be great if we were to stop at that it'd be pretty boring we call to bear fruit. How do we do that? We stand in the gap in prayer. We call those people by names. We call them to life. We see those fruits as they come to church and give their lives to God. That's what we're here for. We're here to see that change come to life in the natural. And every day we go to that place and we ask, Hey God, what are you saying right now? What are you saying in this situation? God, I don't want to make any decision. I don't want to make any conversation if you're not in it. Moses understood that. He could have left to the promised land. He said, hey God, if you don't go with us, there's no point in any of what we're doing. We need to be the same. Hey God, if you are not in this, if you are not here, if you are not speaking this over, if it's just me making up stuff, there's no point. God, we need you. We need you. This is what being a person of prayer looks like. Next week, we're going to look like what it is to be a people of prayer. Because then when we come together, again, we unlock things. Things happen. There's purpose in us coming as a people of prayer together. But in a, as a person of prayer in your personal life, there's no limit to what God can do through you. There's no limit to what God can do through you. We need to believe that. We need to wake up every day knowing, hey, today is limitless. I'm a hotline to heaven. Today is limitless. 
Come on, God. What do you want to release? What are you saying? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to say? God just wants to pour his out, out and let you know. But you got to believe it. you got to believe any of this stuff is even remotely possible. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.